Well, here we go again. So I, I like Thanksgiving, so I've got to say Happy Thanksgiving again. I, I like this season, so Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, follow along with us at uh, intoone.ca. Again, you can go to latest message notes, and you can find what we're studying right now. There's a place for you to take notes, and then you can even email your stuff uh, to yourself at the end so you can follow along later. Um, today we're going to start a brand new series called Forgotten Virtues, and today it's all about honor. Uh, one of the key things that we see um, when we describe other cultures is honor, how to show it, how to receive it. And sometimes uh, we see in, in cultures where this is prevalent that there might be, uh, we, we might hear stories about how honor and pride are too tightly linked and there's, there's, uh, there's, people are stubborn because of this thing and it, it's hard. But honor ensures that we are at least treating people with dignity at some level. And dignity is something that we value. Honoring people in general because people carry the image of God. That gives everyone value, intrinsic value, not earned. And we're going to look at Jesus in another kind of remarkable story. So just, we're going to go to Mark chapter 6, but I just want to give you a little bit of the context of where we are. Jesus is returning back to his hometown, not his birthplace, but his hometown, where he grew up. So he grew up. Uh, there, and uh, he had gone away and about a year ago, and he, um, when he was just there, they, were, they had tried to run him out of town. They had threatened to actually kill him, and so he comes back after this tour he's been away for. In our world, we might call it something like a, a speaking tour, and he's been out teaching about the kingdom of God. He's been doing all sorts of miracles. Um, he turned water into wine. He raised the dead. He opened blind eyes. He uh, healed deaf ears. He multiplied loaves and fishes to feed thousands of people. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law, which many scholars look back on and believe that is why Peter later denied Christ. That's a joke. I'm just joking, okay? That was just a joke, just to see if you're happy. That didn't happen, all right? But he was doing all these miracles, all right? And he came back to his hometown, and he ran into some problems because of a lack of honor and a lack of faith. So we go to Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Jesus left there. So we're getting this. He's arriving back to his hometown and accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where, where did this man get these things? They asked. What, what's this wisdom that he has been given? He even does miracles. And so you go, wow. Like you're turning to each other and you're kind of going, what? We're, we're not used to this at all. This guy's amazing. His teaching is, is, is insightful in a way that we're not familiar with. It's powerful. He, he's doing miracles. and That's amazing. How can he do these things? And then in verse 3, the back of the room. Somebody said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Isn't this that ordinary guy? You know, the guy that we grew up around? Like, who does he think he is? is that, didn't he make your kitchen table? What's so special about him? Then in verse 4, he says, Jesus goes on, he says to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Now, the, the Greek word here that's translated without honor is the word atimos. And it means to, well, to dishonor, right? But that means to treat as common 
or ordinary, if you want a common set of relationships, if you want a common ordinary marriage, let me tell you how to get one. I promise you, if you want a common or ordinary marriage, dishonor your spouse. Treat them as common. Treat them as ordinary. That's pretty close to what a common or an ordinary marriage would be. Why is it that in the early years, you start off and you're in, in great, everything's in love, and it's because you're continually showing honor. You open the door, you bring presents, you did that special thing, you made that special thing, you got some flowers, I love you, munchkin. You're showing honor over and over and over again. And then what happens? Well, we get married. Time passes. The regularness of life, the routineness of life comes in, and all of a sudden, you don't intentionally always do it, but suddenly you're taking one another for granted. And you begin, instead of showing honor, you treat each other as common, as ordinary. And what was great becomes common because you practice it. You practice dishonor. You get good at dishonoring, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Now, the, the, the flip side of dishonor would be honor, and it's the Greek word Time. It looks like time. I know T-I-M-E, but it's pronounced time. This word means to value, to uh, respect, to highly esteem. It means to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. It is to ascribe worth. It is to esteem and value. And here's an example, okay? I have a small piece of rope attached with two small metal clips. The rope is dirty now. But it is valuable to me because somehow tied up in this thing, lodged in it, are the memories of my sailing experiences. I taught sailing for seven years, and I raced a little bit in that time, and I, I, I give value to this modified clue tie down because that's what it is. It is a simple trimming part of a small laser sailboat, and I reworked it and made it into a bracelet. And to you, this is no doubt a piece of junk, no value. To me, though, it is valuable. It triggers great memories of fun, of beauty, of exhilaration. In here is success, peace, triumph, accomplishment, relationships. And I have put it away in a safe place so that I can find it and I can retrieve it. I pull it back out periodically. I value this. Even though it doesn't look special to you, I do not treat this as common or ordinary. And what does honoring do? Honoring esteems and lifts up, right? Dishonoring devalues and tears down. To honor someone is to um, believe the best about them. To dishonor is to believe the worst. Honor lifts, dishonor tears down. So years ago, years ago, I was working with this couple and they're their marriage, she was in, oh, it was in bad shape. Um, so we're meeting over and over again, and we had this set up, and the wife was so dishonoring to her husband, right in front of him, right in front of me, no, no hiding at all. She's just talking trash about him to him. On and on and on she goes. And so finally, I stop the onslaught, and I say, if we're going to continue these meetings, like there's no point if, if, we, we, if, we, if we don't change this. The tone has got to change. And one of the reasons 
Let me just break it to you. One of the reasons you've got a bad marriage is because that is what you are building. You are adding blocks to your bad marriage. You continually are dishonoring your husband. And so as soon as you say that, you can expect a very quick defensive retort. Well, if my husband was one-tenth of the man that my father is, then I would show him some honor. And you can tell right there. You can just feel it that we're in a real happy place right now in that room. And see, maybe, maybe your father is who he is today because your mother has shown him honor for all these years. And your husband isn't because you haven't. When we do premarital counseling, Cheryl will always look the couple right in the eye and she tells them, don't speak poorly of your husband to your girlfriend. Don't speak of your wife in front of the boys. Honor. It lifts up. It encourages. It builds. It is dependable. You want to push back on that, right? You go, well, well I, I can't treat a person with honor because they are not honorable right? No. That's not how we roll, okay? Respect is earned. Honor is given. And you can honor someone just because they are loved by God, made in the image of God, declared to be valuable by God, intrinsic value, so valuable, in fact, that Jesus died for them. Honor is freely given. And you, you may think, well, I'll, I'll treat you with honor when you when you're living honorably. and no, Check this out. You, you, can, you can treat with honor before they are living honorably, and the honor that you bestow upon them often lifts them to live more honorably. It empowers, it encourages, it builds up. And one of the reasons our country may just be heading the way that it is is because over and over and over again, we have been devaluing people, the other people. We have adopted dishonor as a way of life, a badge of honor, and when, when really it's, it's a path to death. Watch what a spirit of dishonor does to the Son of God. He says, a prophet is without honor in his own home. In the very next verse, verse 5, he says, Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed by their lack of faith. Two places where we hear about Jesus being amazed, always about faith. One, because the centurion had great faith and here, because they had terrible faith. Mark says he could not do miracles except lay his hands on a few people, a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed. Wow. Lack of faith. And I'll be honest, I don't fully understand how this works, Okay. But it says where there was a lack of faith, there was the lack of honor. Jesus could not do what he did in other places where they believed in him, where they honored him. I don't know how that all works out, okay? But that's what it's saying. Tragically, we have become a culture, for the most part, that doesn't know how to honor. We've sort of dropped it. So who are we called to honor? I want to highlight here, first of all, that throughout these, these many historical manuscripts that have been brought together, packaged and sewn together into what we now call the Bible or what we call the Scriptures, throughout the hundreds of years that these documents were being written through these different authors, there remains a startling connectedness in concept. We are taught to apply the love of God 
to honor people, and specific mention is given to these groups. So the first group I want to tell you about, we are called to honor our parents. As God was describing the way he wanted Israel to relate to him, as he was laying out the path to quality relationships between him, God, and between us, his beloved people, or Israel, his beloved people, he gave this direction, and it's in Exodus. He decrees it then as a law. Later on, Jesus makes it clear that the law is love, and this is an application of what love would look like. In uh, Exodus 20, 12, he says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The early command reminds us of the original if-then covenant. That is the old covenant. God says, if you do this, then I will do this. That is the way of the old covenant. Ancient Israel was told to honor your father and your mothers. And tragically, today, wouldn't you agree that we can be one of the most dishonoring cultures to our parents? It's got to break the heart of God to, to see the brokenness in our relationships with the words and the, and the attitudes that we, we often hurl at one another. Teen or young adult rebellion and, and entitlement demands and elder abuse, and and neglect. What does love require of you in that relationship? And then let that guide you forward. Second group we are taught to show honor to is going to be even harder. We are raising the standard of submission to Christ here. Because I submit to Jesus, because I love Jesus, I obey his commands. I do as he asks me to do, and we are commanded to honor those in authority. To honor those that God has placed above us. And the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Rome. The city of Rome where the emperor lived. The emperor who had no issues in, in oppressing people in general and the followers of Jesus in particular. And Paul talks about this to the people in that context. Honor the governing authority. He wrote that we are to give everyone what we owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If, you, if revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So just let that one sit for a moment. In this season, in this election Season, we are to live differently than those who have no hope in Jesus. We are to let the guiding ethos of love guide us. We honor those who are in authority over us. So, those of you who have played sports, you know what this is like, right? You honor your coach. For those of you who go to school, you honor your teacher, those who instruct you and educate you. At work, you honor your boss. You say, I'm smarter than my boss. You may be, but you still show honor. If you want to be the boss one, I want to be the boss one day. That's your goal. That's your thinking. Before you learn how to be over, we need to learn how to be under. And and you're under by showing honor to the authority whom God has put over you. We honor those in authority. Third group, we are called by God to honor We are called to honor our pastors and our church leaders. 
We show honor to those who are spiritually instructing us and discipling us. Paul says it to Timothy as, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. This is uh, a deeper application, again, of the guiding principle of love. How does love work out? What do I do because I'm showing love? What does love require of me? Paul is teaching his spiritual son, Timothy. He's teaching about spiritual leadership and authority. So Paul is teaching Timothy how to lead, how to set up churches. At this time, Timothy has just been appointed the leader, the pastor at the church in the city of Ephesus. And this is a direct application again of the principle that Paul has been teaching over and over and over again. What does love look like in this situation? So for those of you who don't know, this is Clergy Appreciation Month. It's Pastors Appreciation Month. So speak well to each other and to the others in the broader community of the pastors that you know. But even more importantly, speak to the Father on their behalf. Pray for them. Pray on my behalf. Please pray for me in this ministry. Pray for my family. Pray for wisdom. Pray for my integrity. Pray for my protection spiritually, physically, emotionally, in all the different ways that I might be attacked. Please honor me by partnering with me as I partner with the Spirit of God. In this world, there will always be critics. But you, be a different sort of people. Be advocates. Bring honor and watch it, how it improves into one. Watch how it improves your mindset. Watch how it improves your family. Watch how it improves your other relationships. You have the power and the capacity to lift me. It shows me your values. It makes me take seriously the role that God has given me when you show honor. Here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you to do, right? Here's the assignment. And Paul says it really, really clearly, really simply, straightforward. Just make this the assignment. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So what are we told to do? Outdo each other in showing honor. And when you go to those who serve you every week in church, you show them honor. So today, those of you who have kids that are being ministered to by someone else, giving their time to impact, to spiritually impact and to love your kids, when you see them, you bend over backwards to show them honor for what they're doing for you, for how they're supporting your family. You find out their names. You, you, you take the time to, to write them a thank you note or use our online encouragement um, link. You give them a gift card. You show honor to the ones who serve you over and over again. You show honor to those who greet you when you come in. You show honor to them as they get your hot coffee, hot and ready, so you can come in and have some hot and ready coffee. You show honor to those who, who are running and, and manage all of our technical stuff. And just because you can't see them right now doesn't mean that they're not serving you, giving up that you might have. 
So you, you, you want good relationships? You want a great marriage? Let me tell you how to improve those relationships or that marriage. You outdo each other. You lift them up. You encourage them. You highly esteem and you show value. You lift them up and watch as they grow into what you speak over them in faith. You highly esteem by showing honor and value. I honor the King of Kings the Lord of lords. I honor Jesus, the Son of God, the risen Christ who gave his life and touched my heart. I honor him for changing me into a new creation, for forgiving me for more sin than you can possibly imagine, for filling me with his Holy Spirit and for empowering me to do things that I couldn't do on my own. I honor you, Jesus, for you are for who you are and for what you have done, for me and for this world. Why is it that it's so hard? Why is it that we have become a culture without honor? Why is that? And I would say that dishonor appears when honor disappears. The, the reason our culture is dishonoring is because people aren't honoring God. And you can't make them. It has to be a choice. But all true honor is born out of a heart surrendered to the King of Kings. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor Him, revere Him. All you descendants of Israel. The problem is that we are treating God as common, expected. We're too familiar with Him. He's, he's too ordinary. and we don't, we don't pray to little baby Jesus in the manger. Jesus is not little baby in the manger anymore. He is the soon coming, returning, ruling, reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he comes back, he will reset the world. He is the righteous one who shed his blood that we would live. And when we don't treat God as common or ordinary, but when we see him for who he is, when we honor him, we will learn to honor others because they are made in the image of God. And so are we. We are not common. We are not ordinary because we are valuable by his name. And when we get that, we will return and reclaim this forgotten virtue of honor. It's told that there were seven home run bats that were autographed by the legendary Babe Ruth himself. And the very, last, very first one was lost for decades. Nobody knew where it was. And then they, they, they found out where it was because they had done some forensic research, right? They traced it back. And what had happened was that years ago, his agent gave it out at a home run contest. And some guy won it. And, and, and then he just kind of disappeared. They didn't know who he was or where he went. They didn't know where it was. And for years, this guy kept this honored possession. And on his deathbed, he had outlived everybody else in his family. He gave it to his nurse, this woman who had served him for years and treated him kindly when he needed it. And he said to her, you are the closest person that I know. You're the one that I love. I love how you have cared for me. And I want to give you my most valuable possession." She didn't know a lot about baseball, um, but she knew that this was pretty special. So for the next 18 years, she kept this bat in a safe place under her bed in honor of the guy who gave it to her. 
Well, she finally came on to hard times. Financially, things were, were rough, and she was trying to open up a business. So she thought, I, w- I will wonder if that bat is actually worth anything. So she, she took it down to a sports place, and the guy that she first showed it to, is this worth anything? And his eyes kind of got big. And he goes, hold on a second. And he walks out to the back, and he pulls a whole bunch of more guys out. And these experts come in, and they say, you know what? We think that this is the actual very first of the seven autographed Babe Ruth bats. So it went on an auction in 2006, and it sold for $1.3 million. So she opens up her restaurant, and she took all of the remaining money, and she started a foundation to serve the children that Babe Ruth wanted to serve at the end of his life. And when the reporter comes up and asks her, she goes, why did you put all of that money into a foundation to help others? She said the bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. So the only reasonable thing I could do was something that would honor his life because he made it valuable. You are valuable because God created you in his image. You are valuable because of what Jesus did for you. And if you are a believer, you are valuable because his name is on your heart. The only reasonable response that we have is to do something with our lives to honor him. Sadly, though, this is true in ancient times, in ancient Israel, and it remains true for many of us today. In Isaiah, it says, those people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We will not be a generation that gives God lip service, but we will give him heart honor because he is truly the only one worthy of our honor, our praise, and our glory. And when we realize who we are because of what he did, then we will see the value in others and show honor to them because they were valuable enough for Jesus to give his life. And when we know who he is and we honor him, then we will reclaim the forgotten virtue of honor. So lift others up. Esteem value to them, and this world will increasingly become what God intended it to be as we together decide to reclaim the forgotten virtue of honor. Kind Father, I ask that you would do today what I cannot do and that your Holy Spirit would plant this message deep within our hearts that we might live differently. I pray, O God, that you would give us opportunity today to see those to whom we could show honor. God, may we never be guilty of good intentions only, but guide us to follow through, to write the notes, to say the words, to make the calls, to give the gift, to reach out, to publicly honor. But more than just publicly, God, privately, in our hearts, that we might have a posture of honor to those who are around us. As you keep praying today, let me just ask you this. Is your life honoring God? Are you honoring God? Because sadly today, there are so many people who are giving him lip service. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I believe in him. Yeah, I did that thing. Yeah, I prayed that prayer. But their hearts are far from him. 
Don't let it remain like that. Honor God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, and with all of your strength. And then honor and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the great commandments. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.